Today's episode is a very special one. It's our 51st episode, and to commemorate that, we wanted to bring in three of our most tenured uh, teammates that work with us at Supplement Superstores, Freddie Ford, Dylan Smith, and Blake Bucati. These three guys have worked with us over five years. They started working for us right as we opened our second ever location here in Kansas City. Um, why it's so important to us is they believed in a time where it was very difficult to see the future of what we were trying to build here in Kansas City. We think there's a lot of great insight and a lot of great information for you guys to learn on if you're a young person or if you're working at a company for a long period of time, how to best deal with things like burnout, how to see vision before it happens, and um, you know how to best advance within the company that you're working within. Uh, we do hope you guys listen in and get some insight from it. Let us know what you guys think in the comments, and we hope you enjoy Today is a special episode. Very special, Jeff. Tell we us have, why it's special. We have not one, not two, but three guests. Three handsome guests. Three handsome bearded guests that you just don't get every day. And they, they are three young studs that worked for Kyle and I for the last five, five years. plus years now. And uh, they're our first ever five plus year employees. And um, it's important that we bring them on today, guys, because... It's very difficult to uh, be a young person in America these days, I feel like, and stick with anything for five plus years, um, let alone a startup brand in a city where no one knows who you are, no one's heard of your company, and um, you have very little to look at to base your belief off of. And these three guys right here, as much as we're going to joke and have fun today, I just want to make sure that you guys all understand how fucking proud me and Kyle are of all three of you and the men that you've become and we're so excited to have you guys on today. And it's something that like we've been looking forward to since we started the podcast is to be able to have our own dudes on here to share your experiences and understand this guys, these dudes all work for um, a company that is of me and Kyle who also worked for someone. And in this day and age, it's very difficult to find a place where you feel like you can become um, extremely successful, whether it be who you are as a person or financially um, in a, in a place where you're being pushed so hard that, you know, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be an entrepreneur, you don't have to work for anybody. You can choose your own hours and all this is like, I feel like pushed heavily on social media and you guys, um, took a different path. And I'm taking, I know that you're taking a different path than a lot of people your age. And so it's gotta be difficult. And so I want you guys to share some of your experiences today. Is that cool? Yeah. Sure. Awesome. So first and foremost, we got Freddie Ford. Say what's up, Fred. What's going on? Happy We've to got, be here. Freddie's our district manager of all of Kansas City. He's the guy that, uh, you know, one of our district managers, we now have two, uh, but he's a district manager of our Kansas City locations. He oversees um, basically eight stores throughout our market. And then we got Dylan Smith. What's up, guys? Dylan is the uh, manager of our newly opened Ward Parkway store, um, basically almost smack dab in the middle of Kansas City. And then we got Blake Bucati. Blake Bucati. Blake Bucati uh, is the manager of our Shawnee location. He's also worked at our Overland Park, our Olathe locations as well. Am I missing a store in there? No. We got, we got, um, make sure you lean in closer to the mic whenever you're, uh, put those seats together as best you can. Dylan um, has also managed our Shawnee location and he's also managed our Lee Summit location. And like, like uh, uh, Kyle said, he's been, he's been working at our Ward Parkway location since it opened. And uh, that's a position that he earned. And so uh, we're super excited about um, these new opportunities that have come these guys' ways based on their own hard work. Yeah, so let's get into it, man. Why do you guys even work for us? What made you want to start working for us? And what made you guys basically stay the path for such a long period of time? 
You know, like when when I got hired on originally, I uh, I went and applied for the job just because I had uh, you know heard that I could get my NASM certifications in personal training nutrition. I thought that was really cool. Um, I had done some training in the past, um, and I was excited about discounted supplements. I was I was ready to go home with a ton of protein, ton of pre workout. Um, sounds not, like, a, sounds like really, an 18 year old. Yeah, not know? really thinking like long term. This is what I'm going to do. A funny story about Dylan is I actually met him in the store before he uh, applied for us, and I remember. Um, he was in the store talking to Jeff about Shea some, first, Shay and then Jeff about some pre-workout. And I think I overheard you say something about a lift. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, that dude's pretty strong sounding from, uh, from what he's saying. And then I stopped and said, what's up to you and kind of head out, headed out the door. And then when I found out you applied to a uh, workforce, I was like pretty pumped about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, seems like a good kid. Seems like he's got his head on straight. So was excited for that, man. Yeah, for me, I, I actually uh, I worked at a retirement home first. So I worked. <laughs> oh, at, I remember. Uh, yeah, Tall Grass Creek Retirement Home. I worked across the street. You were like a server, weren't you? I was a server at a retirement home. At a retirement. Who here home. knew that there were, there were servers there? Oh yeah, no, it is bougie. So okay. there's a, a really nice dining room. I worked there, and um, I was coming home from my job and needed some creatine, and I saw a supplement superstore. So I was like, okay, hell yeah, let's go get some creatine. Went across the street, met you guys. I was in high school at the time. It was spring break. And uh, talked to Tyler Mantler. And Tyler Mantler was talking about how uh, he was like, hey, man, we just moved to Kansas City. Company's growing. So I was like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Eventually applied. And, um, you know, I really remember sitting in my interview and Kyle was like, well, how long do you want to work here? Like, what's kind of your plan? And I was like, yeah, probably like a year or two going to college and uh, – <laughs> Going to go to JUCO for a couple years and probably go to KU or K-State after that. It's funny how we think we know what we're doing at 18. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to be. <laughs> we a, all thought we knew what we were doing. I was like, I, I either want to be a physical therapist or be in sales. So it's completely different things. But uh, he was like, yeah, you know, this is more of like a career type deal. And I was like, I don't want to work in a supplement store my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, eventually got hired. Um, and when it really turned the corner as far as wanting to make it a career, was when Freddie was my manager and he was kind of painting the picture of what it was like in St. Louis and what we're going to build in Kansas City. That's really what kind of made me go all in. That's awesome, dude. Nice. I remember uh, Blake just uh, coming in and being like, whoa, how cheap is your C4? And I was like, yeah, dude, we, yeah. Got, the, we got the goods on the, on the C4 pricing, oh, dude. Yeah. $19, <laughs> C4. 19 bucks. Yep. Dry scooping it. What about you, Frank? Uh, a little, just a little bit different path. I was coming from a different career, and um, if you listen to episode twenty-five, we guys, have had <coughs> Freddie on the on the uh, podcast. Freddie, Freddie's got an incredible story as far as how he started, and so I just want to make sure, like, if you ever want to hear more about what Freddie's about to say, it's he's got his own episode. It's episode number twenty-five. Yeah. So coming from a different career, I kind of had just a different perspective. I was a little bit older. Um, these guys, I think, were both eighteen coming out of high school, and. I was 25 and I knew I wanted to be a part of a career that I could have influence in. And um, I kind of was looking up and out as far as where the company was headed and the potential where it was going. And it was right in line with all the things I loved. So I had seen the growth in St. Louis. I'd seen the potential of what it could be. And uh, knowing that there were, you know, essentially one store, one had just opened two weeks prior, um, I knew it was going to work. And so, um, whether it was going to work or not, I was sold out. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to make this work. So, um, I dove right in and, and have never looked back. Yeah. And you know, with you two, with Dylan and Blake, 
knowing what you know about our company now, um, when you guys were 18 and, and we were hiring you in, think about how hard it was for us. We're basically, you know, we just moved to Kansas City. We're trying to sell um, sell you guys on the vision of like, hey, listen, you know, we are going to open more stores. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to grow outside of Kansas City. You know, these are our, our goals. Um it's easy to convince, it's not easy, it's easier to convince somebody like Freddie who has already seen it in St. Louis, but for you guys, it was like a totally new thing. You were just kind of like, huh? I didn't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, we were just working at the store. Like yeah. that. that's what, my view is like, oh yeah, this cool shop that I'm working at. Yeah, like yeah. it was no big picture outside of that at the time. I got a, <clears throat> and I can relate with you guys because I got hired at 19, you know, and I was a, a sophomore in college. And uh, the store had the original logo on it when I applied, you know, and it just looked like, and it, you know, it looked half as good as what our stores look like now, you know? And so, you know, there's something to be said for the belief and when that started to really come in for you, because that's one of our core values. You know, we talk about believe from the beginning. And, and the truth is, is that when you're young, you just don't have enough life experience to understand, to understand what you're buying into. And so it's understandable for a young person to be reserved. And so, I want to, I want to guide this podcast in a way that everybody can really get some value out of it. We're going to have some fun, you know, memories and so forth. And we're going to talk about these and have some laughs, but I talked to several, um, business owners today and the the number one problem that they're all having is, is their own, is their own staff. Um, being able to trust their employees to care about their company or their gym or their business as much as they do. And it's one of the most difficult things you can possibly go through as a business owner. And, um, by nature, you know, humans aren't typically going to care as much as what the owner cares, you know, because they know that they're not the owner. They know that they're not getting paid as much. Um, if somebody has a manager, it's like, you're not going to use, usually work as hard as the manager because you know that the manager is your boss and they make more money and they have more responsibility. And so our company's different. We ask everybody to, to do the exact same things. You know what I'm saying? The manager essentially does the payroll and the schedule, but like everybody else is doing the exact same job, Right. So for Freddie, um, <clears throat> Freddie was extremely important to our culture, guys, because Freddie was the first person to believe in the level that we, in which we need to move a company forward. You know, you, you guys understand this now that you need someone to care as much as you care in order to be able to multiply the company out. So for you to open a new business, you got to have somebody that's going to work in there at least 80% of the hours there that's going to genuinely put in as much effort as the owner. And you guys serve that role for us now as operators of those locations that you're in. But when did you guys really truly feel like you got it? Was there a moment? Was there a transaction? Was uh, an interaction with a customer that really, you know, hit home? When did you all of a sudden say like, oh shit, I, I really have to care all the way? You know, for, for me, I feel like I had a pretty good understanding of what the company was, you know, like from the first moment you told me that I could own a franchise immediately in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to do that. Um, but I don't think I fully bought in. I didn't really put, you know, all the dots together until, uh, I was 19 and I just moved out of my house. Um, and I remember I had a bunch of money saved up. So for like the first two months I was living, it was great. You know, I was eating out every single night and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh God, I don't have any money. And then I was like, well, I better figure out how I can get promoted. You know, and, uh, you you hit that situation where you're like, well, I have to figure it out or else I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. And, you know, uh, you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You start seeing yourself progress in the company and they're like, okay, I can actually do this. And then, you know, from there it was, uh, just keep going. We always know that about you too, Dylan. I want to say like, you know, I've, I think the, the older you get, the more you might understand what I was trying to tell you when you were 18. It's like, dude, you already know that you could be good at this. It's just a matter of when you want to decide 
You know, we're just well, waiting, we're just waiting for you to show you, us that no, you you're ready for that responsibility. You, you know, you basically have to surrender to the system that you're in. And uh, when you're you grow up, you know, for anybody who's listening to this that um, that doesn't know Dylan, Dylan is um, very naturally gifted in a lot of things. I'd say you're gifted at you know strength sports. You're gifted at you know um, speaking to people, and you have a lot of natural talents. And that actually is is hard for a lot of people to surrender themselves to a system because they want to. They're always used to relying on themselves, you know, and they want it to be their thing, right? Um, but to be successful and that's not here, you know, that's not just here. It's, you know, if you want to be successful anywhere and add value to any company, you have to be willing to surrender to the system that you are, you're in or else, you know, if you're always hedging your bets and you're always thinking, you know, yeah, but then you're never going to find out. There's going to be somebody out there. There's somebody in every company that's not, yeah, budding everything. There's somebody in every company that's not hedging their bets and they're just going to beat you if you are hedging your bets. And it was, somewhere around, you know, probably the second year that you worked for us or third year that you worked for us that you fully surrendered and then you became one of our best managers. You know, it was very easy to see like, oh, when, when Dylan turns it on and he kind of points all his natural talents towards something, then it's like he's unstoppable, you know? And that's, I think, I think the biggest thing that kind of helped me realize that was, uh, it was like October, 2019 and Freddie had just taken over as my manager. Um, and I remember it was uh, the day after Halloween, the entire staff went out and partied and no one showed up for their shifts the next day. And I had like my first ever hard conversation with Freddie. Uh, and at some point during that, he said some version of, hey, you just need to be stupider. You know what I mean? It was quit trying to do your own thing, quit trying to make things easier, quit trying to find your own route of doing this. Just be stupider, follow the game plan. Um, and it was honestly like the first time I'd been like, oh God, Freddie's really serious about this. You know what I mean? It made me realize like I just need to be stupider follow exactly what yeah I'm until told. you until you really surrender like kyle's saying and that's the same concept right is we, we want we want you to stop thinking so hard about putting it through your own filter and thinking you know i need to do it this way or that way everything that you're thinking of doing we already tried and already failed we already know you know we've done this for 20 years straight so it's like we've already done 25 all these, yeah, yeah now it's 25 but at the time and so moving forward it's like you're you're in a position where and everybody that's listening to this being a successor starts everybody has an entrepreneurial mindset, wants to be special, wants to show that they know what they're doing, wants to show that they have like the special sauce, if you will. And it's like, you can't do that until you actually prove that you know how to follow your system all the way until, until you can show that you can be a good follower. It's very difficult to be a good leader within a company. And so the echo, like the, the sentiment that I want people to get out of this based on what Kyle was saying to Dylan, um, on what he was struggling with as far as trying to do things basically what we would call going cowboy or going rogue like you're doing things on your own without following the system is if you wanted to do things on your own then you should just go do things on your own and that's like the easiest way to put it i think for young people is like yeah man if you want to do it your way that's cool just like go open your own supplement store and go do your own thing like that's fine just can't do it here because we have to do it things our way here you know what i mean and it's not to be selfish or to talk down to somebody it's simply that hey we've already made all these mistakes why are we making them again you know what i mean yeah and so there's just a lot to be said there. And it's unfortunate, like it's, it's difficult to find good leadership and management, I think, in a lot of other companies, especially for young people. Um, I think Gen Z gets a lot of bad rep uh, based on having some poor leadership. I think Gen Z works extremely hard if you have people who actually give them a good vision and give them a good, you know, give them good leadership and lead by example. What are you guys' opinions on that? Obviously, you guys have friends that are younger than us, and you guys have, have grown up in the first generation that... that um, 
basically started getting labeled as that. You know, what are your guys' impression of that? Kids, Freddie, had, Freddie, Freddie are all kids that had iPhones. Like Freddie's a little bit seven, older, right? but uh, you might be on the tail end of that. No, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I answered that question actually in an interview with uh, with somebody potentially to hire yesterday, and, and they asked me a similar question. And um, the episode uh, number fifty was Sal. He answered it pretty well, and and he just said, "Hey, like um, people want to work hard. They just are pretty selective anymore of who they want to work hard for." Right. And you know, I I in the interview, I was like, "Man, you know, if you if you open your phone right now, you can look at some edit that Patrick Mahomes just posted that is just." awesome video audio and like a 13 year old kid can make that it's amazing yeah and it's amazing you know like people want to be creative they want to work hard um but man when you have those people uh in the book all in they say like people don't leave uh you've said it a number of times jeff you know people don't leave jobs they leave their bosses they don't quit on the job they quit on their bosses and uh I, I think that's so true, and I think that's going to be true generationally. It's not just young kids. I mean, if anything, people are getting a little bit smarter, and maybe they think they're, you know, too smart for their own good, but um, it's who you work with and, and how well you work with them. Do they trust you is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not like we're different genetically. It's not like the people that are born right now are any different on a human level than they were 20 years ago. I think a big thing is just, and I know it sounds so cliche, but – it's so prone this generation to instant gratification and distractibility that it's hard to keep people focused. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely hard to keep people focused on one specific goal and one specific goal for a continued amount of time. And I think that something that this company does really, really well is they're very transparent on what the expectations are. And we're very transparent on what needs to happen in order to get there. And if you want to do it, it's laid out to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then don't follow that. Mm. I think it's very clear. But at the same time, I know that sounds pretty cutthroat. All of our leadership genuinely cares. All of our leadership genuinely cares about the careers of these young people. And that sounds, you know, kind of corny, but like it it matters. That is something that genuinely matters. Yeah, I mean, I think every company has a bit of fluff to it, right? Like there's some things that sound like it's all like, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And um, again, I had these same conversations with other business owners where they're having these struggles. And I'm like, I know what I'm saying sounds like super, you know, kind of out there. Like, you know, like it sounds like it's like, um, I don't know, like magical unicorn. It's good in theory. Yeah, like, yeah, that sounds good, Jeff, but how do you actually follow through with that? It's like, hey, you know, we live by these core values. These core values are how we hire and fire people. When we have struggles with employees, it's not a matter of it being personal. I don't come down on Dylan and say, hey, man, I think you were wrong here. I said, like, hey, man, you know, in this company, we value accepting responsibility. You were late yesterday. You know, what happened there? And I look for him to give me an answer that lets me know what really happened there. And uh, we don't have any time for BS and excuses here. Events just because that's what's keeping you from being the what you tell me that you want to do in life, right? So we always direct everything back to what the goals are of the employee. Hey, you told me you wanted to be a millionaire. Hey, you told me you wanted to open your own market. Hey, you told me you wanted to open your own store. How are you going to do that if you can't get to work on time, dude? You know, and so it's tough love, right? It sounds like it, but dude, it's like, you, you know, uh, Kyle does a really great job of articulating this and I'll let you do it better than me. But it's, um, you know, what's the... What's the nicest thing you can do for people, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, the 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 big thing is, is with most people, they feel like um, 
doing the nice thing is having the easy conversation with somebody, right? And, you know, for you guys, this is probably the first, you know, company that you've ever worked for that somebody had to come out and basically tell you the truth to your face. But the big thing about the truth is when you hear it, it hurts. You know, if you are doing something that, um, you know, if, if you're working a job and you're putting in a lot of hours, you're putting in, you know, 50, 60 hours a week and you're busting your ass for that job. And then you have somebody above you that comes in and tells you the truth about something and your ego is attached to how you're doing that job. And that truth, it's true, but you don't want to hear it. You know, it, it kind of is like a little dagger in your heart. Well, a lot of people look at that and they say, hey, that guy's mean. You know, that that manager's mean. I don't like the way that that manager is, you know, coming at me. But, you know, what we've learned over time is that if the nicest thing you can do for somebody is tell them the truth in that situation, because if you do not tell them the truth in that situation, they're not going to change that habit and they're going to keep kicking the can down the road. And eventually it's going to get to a point where you have to be replaced because you have all these bad habits that we never corrected a long time ago. And you guys now do that with your employees, right? So, Freddie, you do it with the managers. You, you two do it with your employees that you have now. And, you know, it's not about being a dick, right? You don't want to come at them in the wrong way. It's never personal. It's never personal. But, you know, you have to you have to let people know um, right away when, when something that they're doing is holding them back from their ultimate goals. And that's why it's also important that you are very much in tune with what your employees are trying to achieve, you know. Yeah, well, and, and I think that like it goes back. You guys were talking about the younger generation. Like, what is the difference? I I would agree with Blake. Like, I don't think there's any difference. I think people, you know, younger people today can be just as successful. They they can have you know the exact same uh, you know success that people 20 years ago did. The issue is is like when you're uh, trying to get someone to work harder for you. Back in the day, you weren't fighting 98 different people on Instagram that are telling them they could be successful drop shipping, doing it easy. You know, it shouldn't have to be hard, that type of thing. Yeah, man, just read the four-hour work week. and Right. Uh, dude, like online betting or freaking, you know, being uh, a crypto, Robin Hood, being crypto, a crypto guy. Like, dude, all of that stuff is like, uh, it, it's way more accessible now. Now it's all on your phone. So it's like you know, I can get lucky on my phone, you know, and, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of younger people that haven't had experience, uh, losing a bunch of money doing something like that. It's, you know, a lot of times they just have to go through it the hard way. Yeah, they so you're touch telling the me that yeah. I should lose a lot of money sports betting then. Yeah, you know done, what? Hey, done yet? I don't want to brag, but you know, that Chiefs Super Bowl, I made some cash, yeah. took, took the yeah. over, you know, also took the Chiefs to cover, ended up making a little bit of money. Why are you, you looking, at, why you looking at me, money? Kyle? Did you make money? You couldn't bet you're in Arizona unless you placed them. Uh, it's Arizona, actually it's legal, legal sports betting. That's, that's legal. I know Jeff I lost made the some pro- money. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I won the money line. Uh, but no, uh, anywho, like th- this is a, this is an important one for me because we also need to be transparent and authentic here. There's been times where all of you guys have thought about quitting. Okay. So what I want to talk about is like what made you, you know, stay. Um, Dylan and, and Blake both have sat with you both when you were like, yeah, putting them in two weeks. This is what I'm doing. Yep. And, uh, you know, you were much wiser 20 year old or 21 year old at this time. Yeah, I think, okay. So like looking back at it and I think that that specific situation is far enough where I can really look at it and kind of know what was going on better now than I even did at the time. So I think it's a combination of a couple What was going on in your life or what was going on within our company or both, both. So here's something that, uh, I could have done better is this where distractibility comes into play. I'm pretty, if you know me, I'm pretty prone <laughs> oh to get distracted. God. I'm a, yeah. 
pretty prone to that. So my name's Dory. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, th- so when I did, this was a few months into COVID, and I was working with the, the, Bob, day, the day after I got promoted to run Shawnee. Oh yeah. Oh my God. So like that that wasn't a good look. It so, wasn't. It was so not about that. Reaction. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. It was not about that. Yeah. Uh, not get optics. You were, there. you were day trading on Robinhood. Right. It's 2020. I'm like I'm out. You just bought some Bitcoin. Screw this Dylan guy. I'm just yeah. kidding. No. Um, yeah. So I, I think a couple things come into play. So what I think the main thing was is. A few months prior, I was working with Trevor Stevens and Bob Zelinsky. Some and of we, our best guys for our listeners here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All all managers now. So that was our staff, me, Trevor, Bob, and Aletha. And we were working very, very hard. We really were. Um, looking back on it, obviously, we could have done things a little bit better, a little bit more efficient. But looking back on that time period, I'm very proud about how hard we worked. You guys were running thin for our listeners. We understand mm-hmm. that, you know, it usually takes four or five employees to, to, right. to function a store. So here, three. here was our schedule. So every third week, one of us got Sunday off. So, um, I did get super bowl 54 Sunday off, just fell in line. That was awesome. But anyway, we're, we were working really, really hard. We had a bunch of momentum build up. Um, and we were all really hot at the time. And then COVID happened. And after COVID happened, everything kind of slowed down. And that spark kind of diminished a little bit, got distracted a little bit and, and started looking at a couple other paths. Also at the time too, this is the second part of it, which I think our company is so good at now that we may not have been as good at back then is being completely transparent on all the options that were at play. So Back then, I only wanted to run a franchise. I wanted to own my own franchise. And then it got to a point where I was like, "Uh, I don't know if I want to move to a different city and do all that. I think I just kind of want to, like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. So I'm 21. I don't want to waste time, like, working toward that. Who influenced you on that the most? Because that's actually a big deal that you made that decision. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I think just family in general. Like I was like, I, I don't know if I want to move away to a different city without family there. So me and Jeff both don't um, live by our families. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So just dropped uh, like a bad habit, dude. Right. Right. Sure. But see anyway, you mom and dad. <laughs> right. But, uh, so I, I wasn't completely clear. So things were pretty foggy. So I was like, okay, well I want to be all in on whatever I'm doing. So I'm like, okay, what, what would I be pretty good at? And I was like, I think I'd be good at real estate. Um, same with everyone thinks that they're going to be really good at real estate. I too. laugh at like, what's good at real estate? I don't know. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm good with people. And yeah, sure. I you know I what real estate work. is? And most people don't know this before they get into it is it is a sales job. It is legitimately as much networking as you possibly can do. Um, to try and get that going. A lot of people accessible as possible. People get into real estate and they're like, I don't just don't have many people coming to me. Like, well, they're not going to, you're going to have to sell them on why they should come Mm -hmm. to you and sell them on yourself and create relationships. Yeah. So I'm like, I I think I'm pretty good at that. So I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. Mm -hmm. And, um, anyway, that's when Jeff, Kyle and Freddie sat down with me and we had a long conversation about what we're going to do internally in Kansas city as well. And, um, decided to just go, back all into this and I was very focused at that point. Yeah. And, for you, uh, it took you like four minutes and you were like, yeah, I'm not quitting. You're right. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean like it, it was pretty black and white sorry. at that point. Because, I'm sorry. I mean, it was just, the, we've had a lot of these conversations in our lives with people that are, that are like, you know, I'm just getting burnt out. I need to do this. I need to do that. 
And it's like, you're like, yeah, I don't know why I thought I was going to do that. <laughs> yeah, after all, I was like, <laughs> that was kind of dumb. The thing is, too, is, you know, in our, in our company, there's times where y- you have somebody come to you and they have that conversation with you. And because we are very much um, in tune with wanting to, to make the right decisions for people long term, there's a lot of people that were like, you know, hey, you should go do that. I, yeah, you should go do that. I think mm-hmm. you'd be good at that. And oh, I think 100%. That, you know what I'm saying? I've had the same conversation yeah. with employees of myself, and, and that's 100% true. Um, one thing I will say though, this is actually a, a point that I was going to originally make is going back to how hard we were working over at Aletha. And then we really were able to work, or at least I thought I wasn't able to work as hard during COVID and I stopped grinding as much. Really that grind makes you happy. Mm-hmm. It makes you mentally healthier. If you're going all into something fulfillment, man, you don't get burnt out. No. You don't get burnt out when you're going all into something. That, that's a realization that it sounds really motivational. It sounds like something that you'd hear on a podcast mm-hmm. um, just to kind of motivate you, but it's the truth. It really is the truth. Dude, I think that's a huge, I mean, that's a great point, man. I mean, like when you are all in on something, you obviously don't have the space to have the doubt. Yeah. Why would you doubt something that you're putting all of your effort into and you're seeing a tangible result from those efforts? How do you guys deal with burnout? Let's describe for our listeners what burnout means Alcohol. here, guys. Let me, I mean, yeah. Let me break this down. Yeah. I mean, everybody here, it, I'm sure, has experienced burnout, burnout in some aspect. Burnout is job. not at all, yeah, uh, you know, special to our job or to a retail job or to you know any job. It's it's doing you know, the same all, thing monotonously over and over and over again. You, yep. Mm-hmm. I learned that lesson uh, so thankfully. I learned that lesson really early um, when I had nothing to do with supplement superstores. Um, when I was playing baseball professionally as my career is the, the job that when you're 11, you're like, this is what I want to do. And uh, I'm in the middle of my second full season. You know, it's a 160 game season. You're a hundred days in and you're not playing well, or this isn't going right. You got to get on another bus to go on another road trip for another week. And I remember waking up and being in bed and being like, man, I, there isn't a fiber in me that wants to go to the field today. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm just kind of running thin. Um, I'm just, sick and tired of being like sick and tired, you know, like everybody kind of has that feeling. And then at some point in there, the awareness hit me. I was like, Oh no, it wasn't like a, Oh no. It was like, Oh wow. Like if I feel that today at 19 or 20 years old playing uh, in quotations, a dream job of playing sport professionally with a shot to make the major leagues. If I'm feeling that today, uh, that's going to come back and people feel that forever. And that's a normal thing to feel. And, um, <clears throat> I just realized right then and kind of just accepted very quickly, like that's going to come and go. It's going to be like waves, you know? And, um, Blake, to your point, right? Like if you really believe deeply in something and you're doing the right thing, it's just the highs, you don't get too high and the lows, you don't let it too low. And you really fight to be consistent through it. And, um, I've gotten to a point, I think in my life now that even when I got hired here to start, I didn't fully grasp. And that's when you get run down, um, a lot of times people get the poor me's, they get tired, they get thinking about themselves and they stand in the center of their universe. And, and when you're at the center of the universe for your life, the only person you're thinking about is you. And that eliminates your ability to step back and have gratitude for the things that you do have. And, th- and, and I'm telling you that fog is foggy, you know, it's thick and it leads people to make decisions that maybe good decisions, probably not because they're typically leaning towards being emotional. 
And um, for me, man, when I step you, back, you, and you know what else happens in that time frame too is you start grabbing and dragging other people into your poor me's. So oh, you create, you're looking for validation from somebody yeah. somewhere to tell you what you're selling yourself is true. Yep. You know, and um, it's such and a somebody else is taking the exact same opportunity that you have, and they're killing it. They're they're crushing. That's what's so like that's what's yeah. so difficult for me to understand. Sometimes when people are going through that, it's like everything that you're saying that you're having an issue with right now, as far as how you're feeling and all that is all valid. And like, we don't want to make anybody yeah. feel like, Hey, burnout has true. I mean, it's real, man. Yep. Uh, but like, you know, gratitude was the first thing that was going to come to my mind is how do you cure that? Right. Mm-hmm. But also it's just understanding like, wait a second, who is using the exact same tools that I have given to me and who is killing it with it. And then who is, who is not ha- like, who doesn't have this opportunity that wishes they did. Yeah. And I'm over here spoiling it. Yeah, you know what I mean? So when you're in that spot, though, you don't see that. There's sure. always like, oh, there's some reason why that person's killing it. There's some reason that is completely out of their control and out of your control. Mm-hmm. That's that fault. That you justify to yeah, yourself. You yeah. just can't see and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize it. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's like for our business, for sake, you'd be like, oh, that person's got a better store than mine. It's in a better location or... yep. Yeah, man, uh, they have that trainer that everybody loves or something, you know? I also it, just th- think the, the overall you know, notion that it permeates throughout our society that you have to be happy all the time is dangerous. You know, it's like the things that when I focus on like, am I happy the most is when, you know, I'm the most unhappy, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I think about other people, kind of like what you were saying, when I'm not the center of my universe, when I'm thinking about my family, when I'm thinking about my employees, when I'm thinking about the, you know, culture that we have as far as the the Kansas City fitness uh, community, that's when I'm the absolute most happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not thinking about myself. You know, and it's it's really when you're in the middle of burnout, I think you, you hit on a really good point that you are totally just engulfed in your own self, mm-hmm. in your own, you know. And sometimes, you know what, maybe, maybe you need that. You got to look in the mirror and just be introspective for a little bit and think about your thoughts. And then there's times to step out of it and be like, hey, this isn't all just about me. Uh, and if it is, you're going to feel pretty lonely. You know, it's so. important to uh, to call upon logic in those moments as well, yeah. because uh, it's really easy to be uh, emotional and go down the emotional roller coaster versus yeah. like if you're just logical. You well, know. well, to Blake's point that when you're feeling that emotional, it's very difficult to come to come oh. come, come to that. It's, you know what I mean? Here's like, what it is. It's a bad yeah. breakup. You've watched your friend go through and you're like, she or he is crazy. And they're like, <laughs> I don't know. It's the same fall. Yeah. And years later, they look back and they're like. They were crazy. And we're like, we know, dude. We were like, we're trying to tell you this whole time. That's burnout. And you get in the middle of that cloud and it's like, oh boy, sometimes you just got to touch the stove to find out it's hot, you know, and and it's hard to try. Dylan, I know, I'm going to say, I know burnout is something that when you turn it on because you are skilled at things, you can turn it on, dude. And I know you've found in the past, you've pushed those limits and found uh, almost an unsustainable pace and kind of reached the end of your rope at times um, that I've, uh, I'm thankful that you went through, you know, um, how, what do you, what are you taking away from your experiences? I, I mean, for me, it's kind of tough. Cause uh, when I was going through the whole situation of thinking I wanted to quit, I fully convinced myself at that time that I couldn't feel burnout. Um, cause you guys know, I'd been away from the company for a bit and I'd come back. Um, and you know, I came back as an hourly employee and I was like, I'm going to do absolutely anything I can to get into this management position. I will go to a different gym every single day. We just opened the Lee summit store and, I did that. I know for 143 days straight, I went and calculated out one time. I didn't take a single day off. I remember I went out sampling on Easter, mostly just to make a point. Um, I was like, I will do anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, 
kind of tried to keep that up and keep that up and keep that up. And I'd convince myself like my, my boats are burned. Like there's nothing, you know, there is no, no such thing as burnout. Um, that when I finally got to the point where I was like, you know what, I think I want to do something else. Like, I think I have a ton of skills. I never, I never questioned if this business was going to work. Like I still fully believed in the opportunities, but I hit this point where I was like, you know what, I should go do something to myself, like by myself. I'm skilled. You know, I've got the knowledge to do this. I've been in fitness now for, you know, I've been working out for 15 years. I was a trainer for three years before I ever started working here. I was like, I have what it takes to go do this on my own. Um, and I know I can. And, you know, I even got as far as, uh, Jeff had given me the kind of final, like, Hey, two take two days, really consider this, you know, and call me once you have that decision. Dylan was definitely a guy that we had a lot, a lot of conversations with. It was, you know, back to what I was saying, as far as like some people, you just kind of say, yeah, I wish you luck, man. And if there's anything I can do, I can help with you. But like Dylan was like a guy that we're like, man, Dylan bets on himself and he has from the very beginning. And so it was like, this is one of those situations where from our past experiences with other employees, it's like, all right, Dylan's going to need to go figure this out for himself. Yeah. Well, and and, and part of it, for me is I learned I have to let myself feel that. Because since I told myself I was invincible, I can't feel burnout. When I started getting these feelings of like, oh, I should be doing something else, my gut was like, hey, you should actually be doing something else. Like, you're, you're going to work as hard as you can for as long as you need to at this, and maybe this just, is, just isn't meant for you. Um, and, you know, like I said, I got to the point, I told Jeff, I gave him the final call. I remember I, I was in traffic court that day, and I left court, and I called Jeff, and I was like, hey, man, thought it all over. Um, I'm 100% done. And Jeff had even gone as far as to, uh, you know, hook me up with a phone call with, Justin Williams is the best, you know, or one of the best uh, online trainers, most successful ones. You That's, know? That was the route that Dylan was going to go into, at least to, to begin. Right. And so I wanted him to talk to somebody who has been able to do it at a high level. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, after talking to him, I was like, yeah, this is totally for me. You know, and it's kind of cool. Like, I really appreciate the fact that when I called Justin, it was totally, he, he wasn't like, there was no hidden agenda. He wasn't trying to convince me of anything, you know, because part of me was like, oh, Jeff's probably going to tell him to, you know, tell me, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Tell, do tell, this. tell Dylan to stay. Yeah. Um, but I hit this point, it was, it was actually supposed to be my last day working. It was my final day. And I hit this point and it was a uh, kind of weird. I was at the Lee Summit store and I actually just stepped out back for a minute. Cause I had this weird gut feeling that something wasn't right. Um, and it was really, it was, it was really, it was almost like a hit to my ego. Um, but I, I legitimately just had the thought to myself. I was like, Dylan, you have quit every single thing that you have ever done right when it starts to get really tough. You know what I mean? Like whether that be uh, school, you know, I gave up on physics in college as soon as that started to get really tough. You know, the first couple of years, like, oh, I'm crushing this is easy. And then it's like, now we're throwing advanced calculus at you and stuff. And I was like, ah, maybe this isn't for me. You know, and I realized that I wasn't quitting because I didn't like it. I was quitting because it got hard, you know, and I, I kind of told myself, I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm not going to do this to myself again because I'm going to look back in five years um, and probably be quitting whatever next thing I started, you know, if I don't ever develop this ability just to feel what I'm feeling now and continue on. Um, and there was something Kyle had talked about at, uh, at a manager meeting was like leaning into burnout, you know, and I kind of recognized, Hey, that is what I'm feeling. It's okay to feel this, you know, cause I, I think I thought that it was like, I felt guilty for even feeling like a, you know, I was yeah, I see all these, well, in, here's the, and this is important for if we have any of our, you know, employees and the, and the, anybody on our team have listens to this or listens to it in the future is when you have that feeling of like, man, I'm feeling super burnout. We, we do have a phenomenal team and I think we have a phenomenal culture and it's very common for our, our teammates, you know, to think in their head, man, I feel like I'm letting these other guys down because of, because of how I'm burnt out. I'm feeling, you know, and I'm feeling like I'm not doing as good a job as, as these other guys. And I, and I need to like do them a favor by leaving, you know, and it's like, Oh, well, man, you're human. Everybody on this team has felt what you felt. You know what I'm saying? And like, you don't get that at the time when you're feeling it, but it, 
there's a lot of pressure on yourself that you put on yourself. Like I need to perform better because I don't want my, you know, let these other guys down. Well, it, it, and yeah, and I think, uh, that's, that's definitely part of it. You know, like, Oh, if I'm not fully sold on this, you know, I had Nicola was my assistant manager at the time. I'm like, Nicola's sold. He wants to do this for his life. And I'm like, if I'm not hundred percent bought in, how, how can I do this? Um, and I, I feel think guilty. It, yeah. Yeah. And it, it even goes back to what we're talking about. Like what's harder for the younger generation is I'd never had anyone tell me like, Hey, sometimes you're just going to like legitimately feel like you don't like going to work. You're going to feel like you, you know, you don't want to continue doing this. That's okay. Like that's when you need to like lean in and work that, even harder. That's the, uh, that is the, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your that's life. That's the price tag for success at anything is there is, you're not going to talk to anybody who is truly successful at something and not be like, yeah, there was times where I just literally wanted to pull my hair out when I was working on that. You have to accept that. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept that at some point. It's kind of like too, like even with working out, there's going to be days where you don't feel like working out, but you still know it's going to be the best thing for you, and you feel really good after. There's, dude, there's if also you lean into the workout, you leave feeling great. If oh, you yeah. lean into it, even better say, than normal workouts. Right. One one, yeah. one of the most valuable things that ever happened in my life is I, I was able to go on a. Um, I was able to go on a trip to Haiti, you know, and in that trip to Haiti, there was a guy that, that organized, um, it called, or his name's Kyle McClellan, really good guy. And, um, I remember he was asking, we were talking before we left for Haiti. He was, he was saying something to me about like, Oh, what are you, uh, you know, what are you working on right now? And I was like, Oh man, you know, like my life has just been like out of control. I've been working like 60 hours a week and yada, yada, yada. You know, we just have a lot going on and I'm, you know, it's just running me into the ground. And he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, he's like, your life's tough. And I was like, uh, and I instantly got where he was going with that. He's like, you're about to understand what tough life is um, because you are fucking lucky. You know, you're sitting in an airport in America about to fly. You know, you're in Miami about to, you're about you know, to, yeah, to fly you're in, in an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then, you know, less than 12 hours later, I was in Haiti and, and I started to realize like, ooh, yeah, I got, I got some things I can be thankful for, you know, um, getting to help people with diet and exercise and getting to, you know, interact with people in the community and, you know, being able to have, uh, employees that enjoy coming to work every day. It's like, man, what a, what a blessing to, to have the lifestyle that we all have. And honestly, I was really in that moment, I was kicking myself because at that point I was an owner of supplement superstores. I was in Kansas city, you know, we had started seeing a little bit of success, but it made me realize how often I was in you guys' shoes and also below, like just an hourly employee shoes where I was wishing days away. You know what I'm saying? It's really easy to, you know, when you're in a job and you're committed to that job, but you kind of wish days away to, to where you're like, oh man, I can't wait till, you know, I'm a manager. I can't wait till I'm a this or that. And, um, you know, going back to what Freddie said about gratitude, you know, it's, it's, you know, instead of just being appreciative of the people you're talking to on a regular basis and making sure you're not going into autopilot, you know, for me, that was a huge, huge turning point in my life as far as gratitude goes. And it made me really step back and think about, um, life differently and and specifically our job differently, you know? So, I mean, I went on that same trip. Freddie went on that trip. Yeah. A couple (laughs) of years, I think before Kyle and, um, that trip changed, dude, it changed my life for sure. I, I, I don't, it didn't like give me some neon sign of what I needed to be doing, but I knew it needed to be in service because you go down there and you see that and, um, you just serve down there and you're like, Oh, Oh man, like this has a whole nother, uh, there's just levels to this whole thing, you know? And, and, uh, man, I came back home and I was like, listen, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but it's going to be, sur- it's going to be surrounded and involved in service because that 
it's just it's so needed, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that keeps you keeps you humble, keeps your perspective. I want to. Um, I'd like to keep this this uh, conversation going in the sense of what it's like to just be a young person right now, as far as where to go, how to do this. Like, how do I? I think we all are in in high school, middle school, et cetera, thinking I'm going to do this when I grow up, right? And no one's thinking I'm I'm not going to be successful. Everybody thinks they're going to be a millionaire. Um, there was a stat that I loved. It was like you also don't have to be a millionaire to be successful. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's that's not my point. Yeah, but like in the, there was this fun stat that was like eighty three percent of high schoolers think they're going to become a millionaire, and it was like, whoa, how many actually become less than one percent? So, um, and obviously, like you know, that goalpost changes every time inflation happens, but millionaire still a lot of money. And so the bottom line is, where does this happen, and when does this like perspective shift? When does it change? When do people start to like kind of accept their circumstances versus actually do anything about them? And what's funny about this is the same people that think 83% you know, of them are, are thinking that they're going to become a millionaire. I don't know about you guys, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but when I was in high school, the person that had the best job was the job where you had to do the least amount of work and got paid the most. And everybody bragged about their job if it was like, oh, dude, I get paid 16 bucks an hour and all I got to do is sit at this desk. You know what I'm saying? What jobs did you guys have from friends that were like, you know, I was like the first person in my group of friends that like had a job where I like really cared about doing a good job at it. Does that make sense? What were you guys doing in high school? Was this your first job, Blake? No, oh, I mean, this was, was oh, right. yeah, no, no, server. No. Yeah, yeah. Golden Corral was my first job. Yeah, yeah. You and Same. I have that in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Golden uh, Corral servers, Golden you make Corral. good money. Waterway, I got fired from there because uh, no call, no show. I, f- I forgot about my shift. Classic 16 multiple times, yeah, and uh, got fired from there. But then, yeah, no, then um, <laughs> retirement home, then S2. But I mean, like, I don't even know if I was really thinking about that, to be honest. Like, I, I wasn't really thinking about it, I was thinking about, I mean, really, it's just myself and working out and. Well, that's everybody that's your age. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not uncommon. You know, I don't think I wouldn't feel guilty about that. I but I, I, I just figure I was like, you know, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna get a business degree. I'm pretty good at talking to people. I'll do some sales job. Hopefully, make six figures. Have a lake house. Life. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that was it. Mm-hmm. Still, probably what you want though. For sure, for <laughs> sure. But like at the time, yeah. I, at the time, here's what I really didn't understand is that purposeful work is important. Like. Liking and, and enjoying what you do and feeling good about what you do every day when you drive home is important. That is so important. That's like when we're talking about if you're not working as hard as you possibly can, you're not going to be happy because it's not going to be purposeful. I can I can go a full shift at S2, go 80%, go through the motions and not really help people out. Like be nice to them, kind of clerk them out, not really help them out. Like you can do that. And you can maybe not get in trouble or maybe fly under the radar for a little bit. Fly under the radar. For a little bit. Eventually, you're going to get exposed. But if you do that, you are not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no no fulfillment. No. So even if it is a job to where, like, let's say you're working at a shelter. If you're working at a shelter and not putting your heart into it 100%, you're still not going to be happy. Even as purposeful as that is. It's not going to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You're not. You, you're not dwelling on the gra- like you. You can't have gratitude for something. No. That you can do the same thing if you're, if you're working trying, construction you're not, and you pouring, don't value it. Yes, know? yes. You can be a construction worker pouring concrete, but if you're doing so 100 percent with the right intent, 
You're gonna. It's purposeful work. They're building things. It's, is, is it not the absolute day. best when you guys go places and you find somebody who just genuinely enjoys being at work? Oh yeah. We talk about this all the time, dude. If you go somewhere, it doesn't matter where it is. If the person helping you seems that they're genuinely interested in helping you, you know when they like swivel that iPad around and make you want to tip. And you're like, well, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're so, like, you know what those questions are. But I'm like, dude, I will tip 100% if somebody like genuinely like looked me in the eye and they wanted to help me. I'm like, I've got to, I've, I've, I'm so passionate about it. Like, dude, we need more people like that. Mm-hmm. Good Chipotle guy in my phone. He works Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. <laughs> at, the, at the Chipotle on college. You don't even so know like, his name. He's just good Chipotle guy. He's fantastic. I don't know his name. Why you got to disrespect him? He's just a good Chipotle guy. Hey bro. He, he was, he's I mean, maybe not just good. How have you not tried to recruit good yeah, Chipotle guy? Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like he's entertaining. Is it Chipotle? <laughs> Did you say Chipotle? That's what, uh, I mean, he's 35. He's a dad. Uh, That's what uh, you say okay. when oh, you're a dad. Oh, really? So he's 35. I'm Jeff and Wasserman, and I <laughs> am the old. gatekeeper of the way that you say words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chipotle. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, man. I mean, like, someone's got to correct you on these things. Jeff's what do you do? Do you, do you spend all your extra time on uh, on Webster's. the internet correcting people's grammar, too? No, just specifically read Webster's Dictionary in my free time. So I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, what, what is it Stay that ready. Jeff the most is when you... Oh, where are you at? Not where are you? Oh, ending a, ending a sentence with a prepositional phrase? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> How much has your life improved when you uh, change somebody's, uh, you know, if, when you correct somebody on that? We Does just it gotta, really improve your life? We just <laughs> got through purpose, Kyle. Purposeful. You got <laughs> to make sure that you're... My goal is to get you to speak in an articulate manner, uh, you know, as, you as often as possible. Yeah. I actually, you know, gave you uh, some props on your articulation earlier in this podcast. Did you? How quickly you forget. Uh, well, Jeff, tell us about the Super Bowl. How was yeah, that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Is it. Well, as you guys know, uh, the Chiefs did bring home a win. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. Did you bring some confetti? You got confetti in the you know, I, drawers? I got confetti for you. I also was able to procure some Super Bowl 57 uh, whiskey glasses from a suite as everybody was leaving. I went up to like the suite level and there was like one of the suite workers just like tearing everything down. And I saw that they had like tons of these like whiskey glasses. And I was like, oh my God, like every, these were for sure to give away. You know what I mean? Like everybody that got them could just take them home. But these people had too much money and didn't really care. Right. I'm like, I would like those glasses, please. And so the lady gives them all to us. We gave her a 20. She's like, oh, you don't have to. I'm like, dude, you just gave us like 10 Super Bowl 57 whiskey glasses. And so anyways, gave her a 20. That was awesome. Um, saw like, you know. 15 celebrities in the time that you're there it's crazy like you just i don't like go up to anybody don't care about that but i'm like damn that's and they're just like out in the open there because there's too many celebrities that they can't all have suites mm-hmm. right so like you know theo vaughn and, and caleb presley were just literally sitting in the top row of my section and they had like their own little private area so what a flex like, for real that was funny <laughs> there was also like you know there was a rod i saw gordon ramsey there was a uh, uh, Joel Embiid. He's a huge Philly fan, right? He's placed for the 76ers. Eric Stone Street and Paul Rudd, of course. They were all outside the, of this. The real question was, What's up? where was Glenny Balls? Didn't see him. Mm. No Glenny Balls. No Glenny Balls. He was um, up in that suite and eating some ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I saw someone try to take a picture with Theo Vaughn. He's like, I'm not, I'm done taking pictures. Drake was there. He's like, just get away. Get away. Yeah, Drake uh, won some money that day. Yep, yep. 
I mean, I don't know if he won all of his bets, Three but he, he had like a hundred yeah, bets. He, he lost all of his parlays, but he won money line. So I think he made up for all. He won. Losses. Yeah, he bet seven hundred grand or something like that mm-hmm. on just the Chiefs to win there. So you know, basically how much I won. Um, so, <laughs> I, I was a. Uh, I mean, like watching the Chiefs in general. Like I'm not someone that I want to be around people. Especially like during the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. It was it makes sense. Especially like, people that don't value football as much as you do. 100%. So imagine going with your girlfriend. I mean, she gets She's it. Like, like what she, happened there? She is so Sky, <laughs> Skyler. Uh, she doesn't get it. Stop. Like, stop. No, she understands. Stop. No. Reggie, I love you. We'll watch I mean, big games together. No, no, no. Whoa. No, she. Wow. God, she does, and, and she also understands how I am. So she's just like, I'm just going to go in the mm-hmm. other room and let you be. It's valuable. So That's absolutely valuable. And honestly, yeah. Hannah's great to watch games with, but I'm saying that like when you want to have like a constructive football talk with your with your buddies about like what just yeah. happened, yeah. I'm like, you know, shoulder tapping strangers like, dude. <laughs> so at the end, I was like, all right, babe, so you see that right there? You see like what's going to happen here is right after Mahomes does the 26-yard run on one leg and gets tackled from behind, oh, wow, it's only two minutes and 50 seconds left in this game. If we get one more first down, they have two timeouts left. There's a two-minute warning. We get one more first down, this game is over. And so we break that all down, right? We all know this as football Mm -hmm. fans. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, the lady next to you does not. But you're explaining it to her, right? And I'm like, all right, so we need a first down on this third and eight right here. And then that holding call happens, and I was like, automatic first down, we just won the game, babe, Mm -hmm. in the most anticlimactic fashion. We just won the game. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, so understand this, like, if you are a Philadelphia fan, you are livid right now. And like, there's, this is going to be talked about for a very long time. This is going to be like the first thing that it was a talks hold. about. I will, yeah, it, it was, was definitely a hold. I will say but this. I was laughing at like, I had to explain her like, this is a very major thing that just happened and they're not talking about it. And we don't hear any of it because we're not at home watching on TV. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a big deal. I pull up my phone. The first Instagram photo that pops up is a referee and Patrick Mahomes doing a Jersey swap. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, well, we're just not going to call any penalties the last two minutes. Well, here's the, here's the, the stat that you're not going to like is that that was actually the first and only holding penalty that was called the entire game. The entire and they game. missed one on Juju on a third down. For sure. True. But what, what, what You'd rather basically, have that one, basically right. what that, that stat means is that they were letting it go all game. Mm-hmm. And that they were what, telling him, you're allowed to do this. Think of it like, you know, an ump in baseball where an ump will call, you know, a strike that's, you know, technically out of the strike zone, but he's been calling out all night. And it's, it's like everybody, everybody knows that's what it is. And so that's the only thing that sucks. I, I personally, when I was watching that game for even for me, big Chiefs fan, and I was fucking absolutely we were pumped. But you kind of like the, w- the way that that game ended, you were just like, dude, is that that's how it's going to end? Like, oh, my God. We're in the middle of an yeah, all-timer. Great yeah, it's an, an all-time game. game. And it's like, I kind of wish Jalen Hurts would have got the ball back and we'd have yeah. stopped him. Right. You know? Right. That and, was they, like, and they had no timeouts. Yeah. And they can't throw the ball downfield if we're actually guarding it the whole time, right? Like, we'll give them the running up the middle if we can actually, you know, cover guys. You know, we're getting too much detail in this game. But, yeah, but we, um, got, we got off track, but... That was a good game. It was a good game, and afterwards was a lot of fun. Um, you guys watched the mic dub. What's yeah. that? It, Have you guys seen the mic dub yet? They did not release it yet, did they? Yeah, little sliver of films. In, I'm pretty sure on YouTube. I mean, like I looked literally last night. Oh, had uh, no had released yet. But there was like you know, I like, know that I know like the, the, the new wasp clips. is now corn dog. Oh, yeah. What? 
Yeah, corn that's dog. A, that's yeah, the new the new play that, that was like the the Darius Tony wide open fake. Oh, got it. Just got another it. example of him just being like, uh, hey, oh, yeah, corn dog. Yeah. One of the funniest things I saw. Did you guys watch uh, Mahomes on on Kimmel? I watched that on YouTube last I saw night. Some clips and he talked about what the name of it were like. You know the uh, snow globe play that they did. Mm-hmm. The Andrew Wiley. They asked about that play on Kimmel, and he was just like, dude, he's like, we practiced that so many times. And he's like, then we call it, and I walk up, and then literally a, a DB points right at Andrew Wild, and he's like, I got him. And, <laughs> and, and, and Mahomes was like, oh, no. He's like a DB versus one of my offensive linemen. I don't think this is going to go very well. Yeah. And so, like, they just immediately called him on it and was like, that's who I'm covering. And it was like, oh. And so, anyways, what was the name of that play? Like, well, Andrew Wiley collects a lot of Pokemon, so we called it Pikachu, got to catch them all. That was the name of that play. <laughs> awesome. The formation was uh, Pikachu, and then the play was Gotta Catch Them All. Yeah. I love, love that. that. That's great. So let's. Uh, we have some, some questions here that are just general company-related questions. We're going to go down the line and ask you guys. Does that sound good? Mm, there's some good ones in here. First and foremost, starting with Fred, who is your favorite owner and why is it me? Um, <laughs> that's a good follow. <laughs> I will declare a favorite owner when uh, we get to compete in an actual sport with one another. <clears throat> I've already told you that there it's, is really not much for the listeners. Kyle uh, has an endless shit talking brigade against Freddie of that he's, he's tired. A, he's just a, a better athlete than Fred in every. Fred's way, shape, got me form. in basketball. I've given him. Ba- I've conceded basketball, but there. Really, anything else besides that? What? What? Just not. Dylan, know. who's your favorite owner, man? <laughs> just dodge. Just say Kyle. <laughs> you know, sick question. So here, guys. <laughs> I, that's, that's a tough one because I've got. Uh, you know, this morning Jeff was at my birthday ruck. Um, that's true. You know, Kyle. Kyle had to stay home with the kids. So Jeff doesn't have three children to to get. Yeah, you're, you for, are usually you are usually parenting at four. I, I, I will say my first time ever coming into the <laughs> I, store, Jeff. One day you're going to learn that you actually do parent at five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll learn it. Walk faster. You'll learn it, bub. But my my first day ever coming into the store, it would have been Kyle. Uh, yeah, because Jeff, me and Jeff were talking, and he was trying to tell me that there was things better than chicken and rice to eat after work. And I was like, "What are you talking you're about?" You're like, man? "Hey, dude, chicken and rice." And then, and then Kyle came out and he said. Hey, dude, you look strong. How much can you bench press? And I'd hit a bench press PR that day. So <laughs> I was like, actually, thank you for asking. <laughs> Music to my so, ears, actually. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I like that guy. That guy's cool. So uh, no, no answer. <laughs> I'll just take that as me. Yeah, I mean, it's like pick between, like, do you love your mom or dad the most? And I don't and know which one you guys' no, mom or dad. You know which one's mom and which one's dad. Uh, you depends know which one's on, dad. I don't know, man. I, I think you guys just have to fight to the death. Yeah, and whoever comes out on top. What I will say is this: you guys definitely need each other. Like yeah. you guys are polar opposites. <laughs> That's like it, this this company can't stay afloat just with one. You guys, if one goes down. We're, we're uh, yeah, sure. we need to fly. It's a yin and yang. That, that is a good point. We might not have product in the store if it wasn't for that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, what is your favorite float trip memory? We do a manager's float trip <laughs> every single year. That you can um, talk about publicly. We didn't even, oh. Kyle and I have honestly aged out of the float trip. We didn't even go on it this year because yeah. it's just, it's a young man's game. The float trip is a young man's game. It's an all day I can't believe event. you guys did that. That was lot, definitely lost respect for 
both you guys after that. I can't hang anymore, man. I got hey, three man, children. I can't wait me. to call you out. Remember this. We have this on recording where I'm like, all right, man, you're 35 now. Okay. Go on a float trip with a bunch of 22-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you should have brought your kids, man. I've been fun uh, with the baby. I don't know if the kids are ready for the copter. No. They, they'd be uh, afraid of the Mardi Gras beads being Was thrown. Kim pregnant at the time? I don't remember. Probably so. Yeah. The float trips. Oh, yeah, she was pregnant. If it was in the last four years, it's just a yes. Yeah, there. I mean, there's... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We we saw... No excuses. We saw... It's actually the last five years, but (laughs) we saw plenty of pregnant women on that float trip. Well, yeah, women you just didn't know. You're like, it could... I don't know. Possible. Possible. Could just... She looks swole. But uh, here... Nick's cousin floating by. Oh, and this is epic. <laughs> and, oh my uh, gosh, this is incredible. It's just like, man, I, I wish I could Nick, just yeah. like play a clip of this. I wish you guys could like go into my brain and see this. Oh, but uh, Nick's cousin floating on by is like, it's a sunny, yeah, so, it's, it's so a sunny Nick, day. Give him a setting. It's a sunny day. All right, sunny day, August, super hot, and we're just floating along. And uh, Might as well be a creek. It's not very fast. Yep, yep, it's just floating along. And uh, Nick's just getting roasted the whole time. Nick's our manager of our late location. And he's just an easy guy to give shit to. We love him. That's why he, he's so good at taking it, which is why it's so fun to give him shit. He dishes it too. He, he dishes and, it and, too. And, and everybody loves Nick, but he does love Spider-Man and we got to give him shit for it. That's oh, true. Yeah. Absolutely. Marvel comic. But I, I love that he, he, he leans into it. Like he loves it. But anyway, so his i guess his cousin was like floating up on a paddleboard by himself and just a solo and they, dude coming up to the boat he's yeah like, he's and like he, he's he's like 13 wearing a do-rag and he's floating on by and nick sees him and he's like oh no it's like he's just saw his, <laughs> it's like he <laughs> it's like he saw his bully and uh he's like oh no here we go and uh <laughs> the kid's like nick and he's like oh, what and he's like you're gay, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and we just look at Nick and like, you're just going to let him say that? You're like, who is this 13-year-old yeah. kid, dude? Yeah, man. It was just like, Nick is engaged to his fiance. Can't right. Be, can't be like letting him talk blasphemy like that. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, I don't know. It, so it was for the rest of the it was trip, just you most, guys are hanging it on him that, it, you know, he's going to get beat that, up yeah, by a 13-year-old. A 13-year-old comes up to you and talks shit, and then you just let it happen. It was just the most disrespectful <laughs> thing I've ever seen. It was awesome. <laughs> the, the worst part about that was, was the kid, I don't know how, but he knew Nick wasn't going to do anything. Because he looked back and he said, he's like, Nick, you're gay. And then he just paddled away, and he knew Nick <laughs> wasn't going to respond. Oh, my God. I love oh that he was God. wearing a do-rag. Um, what's your, what's also your, yeah, what about you guys? I personally, this is a price, I would say second favorite. The last two years, we've rented uh, at least a 37-foot RV uh, and taken it to the river. The Blue Jay. The Jayco Seneca the first year. And then uh, shout out to Carstatters for letting this bunch of banshees rent their RV and taking it this year. Um, But it for sure was after the float. Everybody kind of got their second wind. You get a nap. You go out playing some beers, playing some – Playing catch this and and one of our guys, man. Oh Connor no, Lynch. He he dots up like an Aaron Rodgers deep ball that's just marked for this other campsite. And this guy has got like one of those cheap aluminum foil tray of baked beans. And I'm telling you, <laughs> oh no, a catering tray like a kit, like a cheap like if you if you it's falling apart if it faces some adversity. And this ball was labeled. And Connor slung this thing, perfect spiral. 
He's trying to throw it, I think, to Austin Borders, and he overshoots him by, like, 35 yards. Like, there's no way. And Connor just let this thing fly. And <laughs> keep in mind, like, I'm running this float trip. I'm like, well, if, yeah, if you are this the goes dad. south, I'm in charge here. Yeah. And this ball hits this plate of beans, and it, like, it couldn't have exploded larger had he drop kicked it like <laughs> and this guy <laughs> his family I think of baked beans it was baked beans it's like out of a movie dude and it blew up in the like it was just like the the silence that went across the at the campsite like who what what teenage kids did this nope <laughs> and you look over six year old 26 year old connor and it was just kind of like i watched it unfold and man so good on that guy in that campsite he didn't just start freaking out but man connor threw this this perfect spiral 40 yards downfield. His five-year-old son looking up at Connor like, what am Dude, I going to eat, Dad? What am I going to eat? And this this <laughs> tray of beans, man, it blew up. And I just was like, what's going on here? And then the guy was so cool about it. And I was like, man, if that was my tray of beans, it's going down on the Niangle. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm drowning. Connor. Every year I'm a dad, the, more, the less and less cool that scenario sounds to me. Because like, you're holding the beans. I, I am the guy holding the beans. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, slaved like, over that pot. I, I, I felt I felt terrible when that happened because uh, Connor was playing catch with Austin Borders at the time, and Austin wouldn't go far enough. Like Connor kept trying to get him to go further and further, and I was like, "Well, dude, just chuck it over his head." I was like, "I bet you can't. I bet you can't get it to the campsite." <laughs> and Connor, you saw like his years of college football come yeah. back into his eyes. Uncle Rico, he's yeah. like, "Dude, <laughs> I'm QB one." He's like, "I will throw it to the campsite, <laughs> bro." He just threw it, just a perfect spiral. All right, so I would just say, uh, hey, instead of instead of saying, you know, favorite memory of this specific thing, what you know, you guys have all worked here for over five years. What's been your favorite memory uh, being in the company at all? You know, like what's what's the what's your favorite memory? You know, doesn't have to be anything specific. It's just you know, in general, it's watching people uh, fulfill more potential out of themselves that I think they may have known they had at one point. Right. You guys both got hired as 19-year-old dudes, and we just talked about how you started with the company, and um, it wasn't this big vision. You're both looking forward to discounted subs and, you know, going to the gym. And uh, I, I was pretty dedicated from day one. I'm like, man, there, there is just more to get out of a lot of people. And um, <clears throat> seeing you guys step into, and, and not just you two, but a lot of our staff step into that role and, and start to fulfill some potential is like we go back to gratitude, man. Um people that still work here or have left or gone to do other things, when you open their mind to like, hey, I'm capable of doing either a better job or being a better husband or being a better employee at whatever job that I'm doing, I'm just capable of doing more and improving. When you kind of open that door for people or help them open that door because you have to open it for yourself, that is my favorite thing. And um, I, I feel like we've done that to a very small extent so far. And uh, that, that I love it. So it makes me really happy. Good luck following up that, guys. Yeah. What do you got, Blake? <laughs> Blake's like, uh, yeah, so, so this one time. Uh, <laughs> we're no. at the river. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. Back to the Nick thing. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> that may have been the best moment, honestly. Uh, I, I really can't put it on one thing necessarily, but I, I think this is probably the coolest thing is this, is the fact that the most fun I've ever had at work is right now. I'm five and a half years into this thing. The most enjoyment, fulfillment, fun I'm having is right now. And you won't go anywhere else and, and that be the case. Unless you just got some promotion, now you do nothing and get paid more. But that's not 
You know, one thing that happened to you in this last year that I'm really proud of you for, and, you know, people who are listening to this can probably get a lot out of this, is that Blake's store that he works at, we had the AC go out in the middle of the summer, and it was out for quite a while. And COVID um, issues there. Can't, there was, get a, can't get an AC. Could, couldn't get an AC unit to, to replace it. And so um, it was like, you know, 85 degrees in his store every single day. All the bars are in the fridge. Yeah. They're melting. And, and here's the thing, guys, is, you know um, – Blake was able to kind of put that aside and still make his store function as best as he could through the adversity that he was dealt. Um, and I think a lot of people would have kind of folded under that. You know, a lot of people would have said the poor me is the, you know, given excuses as to why, you know, things weren't, you know, his store wasn't performing as well as it could have been or whatever, but Blake didn't do any of that. And Blake, um, you know, I think that's a testament to the person that you've grown into and the man that you've become, because a lot of people in that same situation would just say, screw this. And, um, Not worth really, it. Yeah. I'm really proud of you for fighting through that and, and dealing with that situation. And, and, um, you earned a lot of respect, um, across the company for, for going through that specific time, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know that's not your favorite uh, experience in S2. <laughs> so this is, we're talking like probably worst experiences in S2. Well, I, I mean. I, I got the right answer for you if you want to get it. What's that? It's whenever you met your girlfriend at, at our first uh, company bank. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first time ever. <laughs> for sure. Um, it, you can cut that, that out. No, no, no. What is cool about that is um, what I think was actually a good thing for our relationship looking back on it is she didn't have any expectations and I had zero <laughs> expectations either. It was just funny. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, oh, Shay, look, your girlfriend's my date. Like, yeah. or your sister. your sister's my date. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just kind of a funny thing. And it wasn't even necessarily like, I, I thought she was pretty, but it's not like, you know, she thought I was super attractive or like, I thought, you know, it, it wasn't even like that. I was just like, man, she's really cool. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple other events we saw each other. And we just kept on talking. I'm like, man, you're really cool. And um, it, it, did you get a kiss on that first day though? No, it was like basically friendship. You guys were like, yeah, hundred percent. It was just like hanging out. Did you guys give a high five? You know, uh, I don't even know if there side was a hug. hug. Side yeah. hug. Probably a side hug. I don't know. I don't really do side hugs, and she doesn't yeah. either. But um, I don't really remember. It, it was just was. It was so unimportant at the time that like I don't I, even I remember no it that much. Part. Yeah, like you guys were really just like let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. So enjoy it, was, yourselves. it was all house money. It was all it was all yeah. great after that. So, <laughs> yeah. But now you like, guys no have been dating over five years. I mean, like literally. Yeah, yeah, that's Blake's, crazy. Blake's uh, start of his relationship is basically the same time we started working here. He super pumped to be your other. best man at the wedding. Yeah, so it'll be good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, dude, like, um, you know, we were asking you guys these questions earlier, but just what's what moment has impacted you the most since working here, Don? So for, for me, uh, that kind of spans over about a six-month period. Um, in 2020, obviously, you guys know, uh, I got promoted into management in uh, June, at the end of June. I was in management for less than three weeks before um, I got demoted down to hourly employee. Uh, and essentially what had happened is... Just like two rank, like two ranks for our listeners. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the entire time that I'd ever worked at Supplement Superstores, I was secretly hiding a prescription drug addiction. Um, that doing Adderall, no, correct? Yeah, it yeah. was Adderall, Vyvanse, mm-hmm. uh, Ritalin, just every form of prescription amphetamine you can think of. Um, and for the first two and a half years I was working here, I was able to hide it really well. You know, the, the I started taking pills, you know, when I was 16. And even before then, when I was 12, 13 years old, I was taking as many Benadryl as I could, sitting in my bedroom at night, you know, just anything I could do to, like, feel the sensation of something. 
Um, and I remember I was 16. I started taking, uh, I had a buddy, he gave me a Vivance for the first time. And I remember feeling like I want to feel like this every single day. Um, and pretty much from that point forward, besides a brief three month period, um, in 2017, when I quit for about three months, I was daily taking Adderall, um, and it, you know, or Vivance, whatever, whatever I could get my hands on. I was buying it all legally. Um, and you know, the addiction got worse and worse and worse and worse. And when it really got bad was 2020, um, pandemic happened. I wasn't working as much. I didn't have as much responsibility at the time. Cause we only had like one person in the store. Um, and what went from, you know, maybe two, three, four pills a day habit, uh, turned into me staying up for three, four days at a time. Sometimes, um, you know, I was sleeping maybe one, two nights a week max, you know, and I would just take more pills. And it, it was kind of a, it was almost an anxiety fueled addiction. Um, I got to the point where I was like, okay, well it's 3am. Um, and I'm finally starting to feel tired, but I have to be up at 6am to make sure I can, or, you know, 7am to make sure I can make it work. I would get so scared that I wasn't going to wake up. Um, that I would take more pills and it would keep me up, you know, and, uh, that eventually progressed into me just taking like an ungodly amount of, you know, um, pills and finally got promoted. And when I got promoted, I think I completely stopped sleeping, uh, over that three or almost three weeks that I was managing, I, I probably slept three full nights. Um, cause it got to the point where it's like, there's so many responsibilities that I now had that I just kept taking more and more and more pills. Cause that was the only way I felt like I could actually handle those things. Um, you know, and no one in my entire life ever knew any of this stuff about me. You know, like my parents had suspicions growing up, you know, they would catch me with like various things, you know, and I was, I was always really, really good at lying about it. Um, I had actually gone on like a three night bender back in January of that year. Um, I was on fast track to getting promoted, like hopefully by February. And I ended up sleeping in, I think it was January 18th, uh, you know, like two weeks before I was due to get promoted. Um, and one of my biggest regrets to this day is Freddie sat me down in the back of Shawnee um, and he knew something was going on and he directly asked me to my face, like, Hey dude, are you taking, you know, are, are you on drugs? He specifically said, are you taking Adderall? Are you on anything like that? And I looked him in the face and I just lied. Like I'd gotten extremely good at lying about it. Um, to the point that I, you know, I think I even convinced Freddie that no, I was just tired. I just happened to sleep in. I didn't set my alarm, something like yeah, that. We were, we were all concerned for sure. Yeah. Um, and finally, you know, six months go by same thing. I'm extremely unhealthy. I'm taking way too many pills. And, uh, I got to the point where I'd been managing and I, I think I stayed up for like four days straight as long as I'd ever been awake. And I passed out one day and just woke up at, I think it was like noon the next day, uh, with Shago Patrick knocking on my door. Cause no one had heard from me. I was supposed to open the store that day. Um, within, Man, we were shitting our pants. Yeah. Within, within 30 minutes, uh, we're like worried about you. Yeah. Yeah. Within 30 minutes, uh, it was kind of funny. Shay actually helped me like try to clean up my apartment because it, it looked like a drug addict's apartment. You know, there's piles of trash and clothes, 15 Chipotle bowls that are half eaten, just laying on the couch. You know, she helped me try to clean that up just so it didn't look so bad when you guys got there. And finally you guys arrived and I remember sitting on that couch and, uh, Kyle drug tested me to make sure I was telling the truth about like what I was actually taking and whatnot. And I just remember we sitting there Walgreens and had to get a little Walgreens drug. Yep. And I, I sat there and just begged you guys, like, whatever you do, just please don't fire me. Like that was all I wanted is in that moment. I had nothing. I had pretty much broken off any relationship I still had with my family at that point. Um, I had broken up with the girlfriend that I had at the time. Um, and it was just completely being by myself. And I was like, this is the only thing that I have. These are the only people that I have. I can't, I can't leave this. Um, and uh, anyways, after that, uh, completely left the stores for three weeks while I was just detoxing. I pretty much spent, you know, those three weeks sleeping in my apartment, uh, before I started going into a rehabilitation program, uh, came back, worked at the Liberty store for a bit. 
and then Lee Summit opened and you guys were like, Hey, we're sending you to Lee Summit. And at that point I had been through rehab to the point where like, they were like, you know, I basically graduated. I didn't have to go four or five times a week anymore. Like I was. And, uh, I, it, it really ties back to gratitude. Um, having that time away from the stores and that time just like to myself sitting in these classes, listening to people that have been ad- addicted to drugs for 20, 25 years. Like I, I found out like the amount of stuff that I had been taking, I should have been dead, you know? And, uh, I started waking up and it was, it was weird cause I'd never understood gratitude up to that point. I started waking up with a, the sincere gratitude just to be alive. Like I was really happy to be breathing cause there were so many people that, you know, just, I heard all these stories about people dying, you know, I'm taking a lot less drugs than I was taking. I'm like, how, how am I still alive? You know? Um, but my, my proudest moment was, I think Jeff had told me specifically when I started working, he was like, Hey, don't even think about getting promoted. You're going to be an hourly employee for like at least the next five, six months. And I remember in my head being like, fuck that. I'm going to be managing by then. And, you know, I, I just started going to a different gym every day. I started doing everything I possibly could to grow the the Lee Summit store. Um, Got promoted to management in February of 2021 at this point. And uh, probably like my proudest moment, like the, that I'd ever felt up to that point was uh, you guys had told us that we were going to start awarding a new um, award every month, which was the hardest working manager award. Um, and I wrote down the exact moment. I remember we were in chicken pickle when we found out that we were going to be giving out that. Actually, I think we're at uh, big whiskeys. Yeah. 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 I wrote down that day. I will be the first hardest working manager. And like from that moment forward, like there was not a single thing that was stopping me. I was like, I will get this. Um, and I ended up winning it and winning that was, I felt like the first time that I'd ever just like genuinely worked as hard as I possibly could for something and actually been awarded it. You know what I mean? Like there was no, like. I went into that meeting and I was like, it would be, be stupid to give this to anyone else. <laughs> yeah. This month, like I was like, I, I've earned this. And, uh, I think that, that moment just really, uh, I don't know. It was just, uh, it kind of one, it, it was for me, it was the first time I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be on drugs again. Like I've, I've beat this, you know what I mean? Um, and obviously, you know, still have to be aware and whatnot, but I was kind of like, I will just never return to that. Cause I started to like actually be able to function you know, I was actually sleeping. I was like, oh, this is crazy what you can do when you actually like wake up early and go to sleep early every single night. Um, but that, that was definitely the, the most life changing moment, um, of my entire life or my entire career here. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, it was, um, it was super difficult day, obviously to see you like that. And, um, you know, you know, I want to go back and say one, I'm super proud of you, dude. And proud doesn't really do, do it justice because, a lot of people would not be able to handle what you handled and come out the other side like you have. And I want to say that, you know, you've put yourself in this position completely on your own. You know, I know you probably would give a lot of credit to a lot of other people, but, um, you had to, you had to first be willing to want to make that change and surrender to the system. Like we've talked about earlier in this podcast and, and you really did all those things. And, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, the day that we found you that way. And you were like, you know, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me. We're like, dude, that's the least of our worries. Like, we, don't, like, we dude, didn't care, we didn't care at all. about your job. We thought you were dead, dude. Yeah. We were legitimately <laughs> at your house, like knocking down your door. And, uh, you know, luckily Shay found you first and, and talked to us. And, and, you know, we, we, you know, it was a Saturday. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You know, Kyle had kids. Like, we were there at like 11 a.m. You yeah. know what I mean? Or noon on a Saturday. And um, it was just like, dude, it's just what needed to happen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and so, um, I hope our other staff can understand that, like, you know, you may not see us as much as maybe Dylan saw us at, at his younger age and we were working in the stores more, but it's like, man, we would do that for anybody. 
Yeah. Um, we care about every single person that works for us. And I know it sounds like foo-foo and stuff, but it's like, dude, you guys are our family. We love you. And, and you know, the last thing we were worried about was you having your job or vice versa. Yeah. And when you wanted to get back into work in the stores, it was like, hey, 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 don't worry about getting promoted. That's what I was really the sentiment I was trying to get across to in those five or six months. It's like, yeah. hey, all you should worry about is just today. Mm. And then tomorrow, worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And it'll, everything will just happen on its own from there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think you really did adopt that mentality. And dude, like I said, where you've gotten to this point, um, I think anybody that ever has met you since that moment, you know what I mean? Would never guess that you had ever gone through that. And that's just a testament to how you've performed and how you've uh, lived your life since then. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the thing to really reinforce too, is that, you know, we live by these core values that are at the top of this, you know, room here. And, um, you can't just live by those core values at work, right? They have to embody who you are fully, right? You have to, you have to fully embrace an ethical, you know, lifestyle and, and a lifestyle, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, be a person of high character outside of this job as well as inside of this job to have full fulfillment and also to be, you know, to find yourself um, on the pathway to getting, you know, where you want to be as far as, you know, success goes. Yeah. And you learned it that day. You know, yeah. you're like, I can't learn, I can't have this double life, you know, to where, you know, I'm focused on these things at work, but I'm also, you know, doing, you know, staying up all night, you know, when I'm not at work. Um, and I think you've done a great job of embodying those character, um, character traits, you know, fully, um, you know, in your personal life as well as here, you know, since then. Yeah. And I, I think the, the one like thing that I can, you know, give to other people from that whole situation is. The three weeks after that instance, like when I wasn't in rehab yet, I wasn't working. I was literally just laying in my apartment every single day. Um, first of all, you're already like just extremely depressed. You're withdrawing off drugs. Like I, I, I would lay in bed until like my ba- my bladder filled to the point where like I had to get up or I was going to piss my pants. Like, you know, it's, it was, it's, it's weird when you don't have like any dopamine in your brain. Like you don't have motivation to do anything. You don't even have motivation to eat when you're starving. Um, but having those three weeks, the, the toughest part about all of it, like even more so than the physical, uh, withdrawals was, was recognizing that I actually don't live up to hardly any of these core values. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and going through that, it was just, it was just tough because it was just me by myself in there. And like, I really had to face reality of like, if I actually want to get better, if I actually want to like start being like a man of character, you know, someone who has morals, someone who like brings value to this world, I have to first recognize that, Hey dude, for the past at least four or five, six years of your life, you've been a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You have, you you know, you've lied, you've cheated, like everything bad that I, you know, like everything that I would be like, oh, I would never do that today was the person I was living, you know, the person I was being every single day. Um, and I think, you know, for anyone to improve, for anyone to be able to start to actually, like I said, you know, like be a man of character and like start to live by the core values, you have to first go through that period of like, hey, I'm not living up to this yet, you know, and for everyone, it might not be, Hey, I'm not living up to every single core value, but you need to honestly assess yourself and say, Hey, you know, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm not good at because you can't improve until you've actually recognized that you, until you have that awareness that that's not who I am. And, and I think for everyone at some point in your life, you're going to hit that, you know, um, I would have loved to have reached that moment just by my own accord, not because I happen to be, you know, withdrawing of drugs in my apartment by myself, but you're going to reach that point at some, at, you know, at some point in your life where you're like, man, I'm not the person that I want to be, but you're in a spot Dylan too, where you're like, dude, that, that, extre- that example is extreme. You know what I mean? Like that's an extreme example. And for the people listening, yours might be not like that, you know, and I hope that it's not, you know what I mean? It took Dylan to get to rock bottom for him to recognize those things. And everybody's rock bottom looks different, 
But I try to explain this to all of the people that work for us. And Kyle and I have had the gift of, and it's a true gift, man, to, to be able to, to manage mostly, mostly 18 to 24 year old dudes when they get hired on here. And so we've really become experts on how to help mentor and guide young men into hopefully becoming, you know, a man of character. And the thing that I would want to, you know, I want the advice of people to heed the most is just that it's really just a journey of self-awareness and 18 to 24 is a time where you find yourself and some people don't know they're doing it when they're doing it. You know what I mean? And so the more self-aware you become, the more growth you're seeing on a personal level and the more ability you will have to help others because you're creating that space in your mind to help others by knowing who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this in the beginning where Freddie's, you know, saying like, Hey, a lot of people are standing at the center of their own universe and that's every 18 year old when you meet them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that journey of self-awareness is just becoming more and more um, accepting of who you are and knowing that. And then you, once you've done that, you don't have to take all this time and energy, uh, you know, mulling things over in your brain all the time. You have the space and capacity to create depth in all of your relationships that you meet. Everybody that you meet can now become your best friend because you have the space and the ability to, to be able to take that person in all the way and get depth from that relationship. Is everybody saying what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe not articulating that best, but... That's really what I think that most people, it's hard to put it into words, but it, that's what you got to find when you're a young dude. It's just, who do you really want to be? And then are you actually practicing those those values? Yeah, and I feel like it kind of goes to the whole, like, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Like, until you start to, you know, really do that stuff for yourself, you're not going to be able to do that for others. There's no possible way that you can provide that for other people if you're not actually, like, People living. see through it, dude. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, you're telling me to do that? That's cool, man. And, and even I if know, they don't I know first, about you. it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, dudes. It's been uh, it's been a great podcast. It's been awesome having you guys on. We obviously are very proud of all of you guys. You guys are, are by far, you know, the top of the echelon as far as you know um, here in Kansas City, and has has really helped to grow Kansas City to what it is um, so far. And I just want to say I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I love you guys, and you know, I'm glad that you guys believed in us a long time ago, even though Blake, you didn't quite, you were just like, I'm just here for the free subs. Um, you eventually became, uh, you eventually believed in us and it's, uh, it's, it means the world to me and Jeff. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm excited to see where the future goes with all of us. Yeah, man. I have nothing really to add to that. I, I echo all those sentiments. Um, sincerely love all you guys and sincerely appreciate you guys believe in us in a time where it was very difficult for people to see what was coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just so grateful to be along for this path. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I don't, I don't really know what I would be doing outside of that. My life would look completely different, but I'm just so grateful for it, and everything happens for a reason. So, it's taken yeah. me a lot of years to figure out that everything happens for a reason, man. Oh, yeah. I can tell you of a handful of different times where it's like I got suspended in high school that kept me from going to Mizzou. I go to Mizzou. There's no Selman Superstores yeah. there. I don't work there. I mean number of reasons you know what i'm saying like yeah, just the, crazy. the butterfly f- effect on all of this is just insane <clears throat> right but it's really cool to be sitting here at the amount of things that had to happen for all of us to be sitting here right now crazy yeah it, it's really is crazy like every monday walking in here i'm just like wow like, we told you we this did. was gonna happen oh yeah and, and i yeah. and you know I, I believed it yeah but there's a point of belief to where like once you see it it's like surreal it's like whoa here definition of surreal yeah yeah it's it's insane and, and that's something that i'm really trying to 
not lose touch of. At the same time, with still staying hungry. Something that I try not to lose touch of is like, this is really cool. It, it makes you believe even more. And uh, we got a lot of stuff. I mean, to wait till you see our headquarters. It's just getting the, started. The Salt oh, yeah. Store's headquarters. Oh, yeah. It's getting going. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's the toughest part about it is, you know, like like Blake said, when you see a room like this, it's easy to start believing. You're like, oh, look, this is a big thing. Um, but I think the skill that probably everyone is still working on is having that belief before you actually see those things. Like, that's 100% why Freddie's a district manager and I'm not. is because Freddie came in and on day one. He walked in on a button-up shirt. He's like, I, I believe in this fully. Like the, he had, he had burned the boats before he came in for his first shift. You know what I mean? So he's like, I, I'm going to be your first district manager, right? Yeah, I think like having that ability to like believe before you actually see things start to materialize is what'll take you further than you know anyone. Visualization. Amen. Uh, I think too. I know we're trying to end this thing, but one more point. <laughs> no, you're good. Is man. you know something that I wish that and I really try to paint the picture for for our new guys that I have is something that I think we're lucky as like me, Dylan, Freddie, and the people that have been here for, you know, store number one, store number two, the early days is what really helps belief is seeing where you were at before. We have a brand new employee that heard about S2 six months ago. This has been shopping with us. They walk in here and they don't, they, they can't possibly appreciate it the way that we appreciate this. There's just like, oh yeah, I'm in company. Like what cool table. Yeah. Like they, they, there's no way for them to possibly appreciate that unless you let them know what it was like before. You, I, I you, think that you guys it, are the way that they appreciate it. You have to, you have yeah. to, you know, explain. that's an obligation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You, you guys got to paint that picture of explaining mm-hmm. of where we came from and, and how hard it took you. And then Looking also the standards, there. you know, your standards that you hold are basically, they show people like, oh, they worked hard for this. Cool. Hey guys, again, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to make this happen. Um, this was our 51st episode. Um, we've got a lot, a lot of cool stuff coming on this podcast, but it was fun to take some time to reflect and uh, can't wait for the next five years with you boys. Appreciate, appreciate you. it. Later dudes.